Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Professor Alexandra Knight is the founder of STEMazing, a social enterprise dedicated to inspiration and inclusion in STEM. Alex is based in the United Kingdom, where she is a chartered engineer, a fellow of the Institution of Mechanical Engineers, and a fellow of the Women's Engineering Society. She is also a visiting professor with the Royal Academy of Engineering at Brunel University, London, a regular keynote speaker at events and schools, and has been featured on several TV shows. In 2023, Alex was named as one of the top inspirational businesswomen in STEM at the House of Lords, and she previously won the We Are the City Champions Award in 2020 for her work to champion diversity and inclusion in STEM. Not to mention her amazing Inspiration Academy program won the Diversity Impact Award at the RAC Awards in 2021. Now, Alex is here with us today as part of our series featuring the authors from the upcoming book, Empowering Women in STEM, Working Together to Inspire the Future. The book features chapters written by 22 authors detailing their special stories in the world of STEM as related to women's issues. And we are going to be interviewing every single one of them through a partnership with the book uh, and its architect, Sanya Mathura, who we spoke with on a previous episode. So welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. You're my second author that I've interviewed so far for the series. And you're my third person because I, I did interview Sanya Mathura first. And I was really excited to do that because I wanted to find out all about her inspiration for creating this book. And so you'll have to check out that episode if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. And now we get to hear you know, from each author. Uh, I know why, I know how I felt during the book. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear from others about how they felt. So, so let's start with your journey. You started out as an engineer and did you get into engineering in college? Yeah, so my engineering journey began really, I suppose, going back to when I was at school and the decision actually to choose engineering at university. And it was a physics teacher of mine that said to me, engineering opens doors. And to me, that was a phrase that stuck with me because I had an example and a role model of an engineer who was my dad. Um, I didn't know any women in engineering and I saw the the very like tiny sliver of engineering that my dad did, which was very traditional, stereotypical, you know, working with pumps and turbines. And he was very good with cars and mechanical things. So I thought that's engineering and I don't feel like that's me. So I don't think I can be an engineer. But when my physics teacher said engineering opens doors, that opened my mind to think, well, maybe I could do more than what I see my dad do. And that's exactly what happened for me. I ended up doing a grounding in mechanical engineering, then doing a master's in medical engineering, which, as I mentioned in the book, I think was inspired by my sister and the multiple disabilities that she had and wanting to use my skills to help people. 
And so that connected with me a lot more is like, how can I use my skills in it as an engineer to help people? Um, and then I went on into a career initially in medical, but then throughout loads of different sectors of engineering um, and had a real variety. So that phrase engineering opens doors is absolutely valid for me and, and has stuck with me my whole life. So huge thanks to my physics teacher and all the physics teachers out there. Isn't that amazing how you can say some, something to someone and it can really just change the course of their life without you, you even realizing it. Maybe that teacher didn't even realize the effect it would have on you. Exactly. And it wasn't even our normal physics teacher. It was a stand-in physics teacher, supply teacher that only came for literally like a short, a very short period of time, like a matter of weeks. Mm. And there was just something about him that I think because I felt like he didn't have an agenda. He wasn't mm. trying to make me be something that he wanted me to be. He was just literally offering some very, a very just valid and, and and vulnerable and honest advice and that was what I needed to hear because I felt everybody else was kind of I was sort of somehow living up to their agenda or their expectation and that raised barriers in my mind but this was just this kind of like you know I, I didn't ask for the advice it just came out of the blue and that yeah definitely changed the trajectory of my life. Well when you were growing up um, you mentioned, I read, I read this in the abstract of your book, that you felt that you came from, you were very privileged in the way that you were lucky in a lot of things in your life. Um, so did you, do you feel that when he said, when the professor said to you that engineering would open doors, um, did you feel that there were doors that were going to be hard for you to open or that were going to be closed on you, even though you, you did feel privileged? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the thing that it, it struck a chord with was that I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be. So the fact that it would open doors meant that I didn't have to know everything right then. And I could decide and pivot as I discovered what I was good at and what I love doing as I went along the way. Whereas I felt like, and I think a lot of people feel this pressure when you're only sort of like 16, 17, having to make decisions about your whole future. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know yourself at that age, let alone like what you want to be when you're grown up and earning money and things. So that's the thing that worked for me. It's like, it, it helped me feel like I it didn't have to decide now, it would open doors to anything I wanted to be. But actually it's so interesting, you put it in that sort of context of opening doors, relating to privilege because I think as a woman we do have many doors closed on us initially that we have to work really hard to open especially in male-dominated industries like engineering and actually I found that by studying engineering and kind of working out how to how to get good grades at university and how to work really well and how to build my network and how to also do other things outside of my university um, academic studies like volunteering, um, how that could help me open doors for myself because there was definitely, I felt like there were some doors that were not automatically open for me as a woman and therefore I had to open them myself. But the confidence that I got from kind of getting into university and then seeing myself start to do well at university gave me the confidence to believe I could open some doors for myself and definitely recognizing that I have a privilege that other people don't have. I had that comparison with my sister 
who had lots of disabilities after a brain injury from a car accident we had when we were younger. And I saw her struggle in life and how comparatively speaking, I had life very easy for me, even though we had on paper, everything should have been the same from our upbringing, you know, our financial status, our opportunities in life. But she suffered worse than I did in that car accident and therefore her life was significantly less privileged than mine so I've always had that in my mind that I do have privilege and I need to do something positive with that and I need to take advantage of what I can do for myself and then use that to help others as well. When we talk about engineering as a career I think to a lot of people it does sound daunting because they may not have you have a father who was an engineer, but many people may not have that, that role model or anyone you even know. Do you think that connecting the field of engineering to work that you can do to actually change people's lives and help people, as you're mentioning that you were inspired to do because of your relationship with your sister and her circumstances, do you think that connection can help young people start to become more interested in engineering as a field? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that we don't have enough role models and it, you know, in engineering, there's not enough, certainly not enough diverse role models or not enough role models full stop that are engineering role models in society, in media. And within our own little bubbles in engineering, we can say, oh, you know, it's improving, it's getting better. But outside of our bubbles really is that perception improving hugely I'm not sure it really is so I think we have to get out there and show the whole of society what engineering really is and give them some positive diverse role models because yeah that makes an absolutely huge difference you can't be what you can't see and for me I was in a good position in a way that I had my father was an engineer so I I had an inkling of what engineering was and the term engineering was in my life but in a way that turned me off of engineering because mm. I saw it the element of it that I didn't want to do I didn't see anyone doing something like medical engineering or sports engineering or you know engineering that's involved in film and media loads of amazing exciting forms of engineering and especially health and medical related engineering that absolutely connects to that need that a lot of people have that they want their job to have a purpose that helps people or the planet yeah. and if we can connect it to that problem solving that is helping people or planet then I think we'll attract a lot more people into engineering and this is exactly what we try and do in Stamazing which I'm sure we'll talk about um, is just get those positive diverse role models in front of young people and show them how what they're learning at school in maths and science relates to real world problem solving and real world positive change. Yes that's an excellent transition into your organization which you've created called Stamazing. Um, I want to hear all about that and I'd like to hear first, what made you decide to launch this organization after working for 15 years as an engineer and being in the industry? What changed for you that made you decide to take this step forward and to start STEMazing? It wasn't a dramatic instant change. It was something that had been kind of percolating away for a number of years and something that I have been passionate about pretty much since I even had that first day of my course at engineering when I realized I was massively in the minority having come from an all-girls school and then I was 
less than you know oh. less than 10 percent women in engineering on on the degree course and so at that point something started brewing in my mind of like this doesn't feel right there's something that's like odd here and I then as I went through my career and again just you know came across some different challenges around being in the minority and how that affected my confidence in certain situations so I always had this feeling of like there's something not right here something needs to be done about this because it just doesn't feel right and then as I started mentoring other younger people through my work but also through volunteering opportunities and I started to realize like I've got something to offer them to help them and also when I was doing STEM outreach as a volunteer and going into schools and realizing how much I benefited from the experience of going into schools and talking to young Mm. children as well as the children and the teachers benefiting I just thought like I just love this and this has got so much opportunity for positive impact in so many ways on so many levels if we can get more people to realize the benefits that I've realized by doing all these things and so I I suppose I was doing what I do in It's Amazing now in a voluntary capacity for many Mm -hmm. years like probably my entire career to be honest Um, but it wasn't until I sort of thought well I can carry on almost like playing with this and doing it on the sidelines a little bit here and there when I can find the time or I can make a concerted effort and make this my life's passion and purpose. And so that's what I decided to do. So I set up Stamazing as a side hustle initially alongside my day job. Um, and then I suppose the real crux of it was COVID hit and mm. I was trying to juggle homeschooling to quite young kids at the time whilst also doing my day job, whilst also running Stamazing and also still doing a lot of the voluntary work that I was doing and something had to give. And Mm -hmm. when I looked at all the things in my life, actually, I thought I really, really want to keep going with Stamazing. That was the obvious thing to drop because it was like, oh, I've only just restarted it. You know, I could pick it up later on. But there was something that just told me, no, you have to keep doing this. What else can give? And so I sat down with my husband and we evaluated our whole life. And we said, well, clearly... I'm going to have to take quite a significant financial cut if I focus on amazing and leave my day job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it meant that much to me that we looked at how we could reevaluate our life. We ended up selling our house and buying a house with a smaller mortgage. We ended up like basically cancelling as many things we could that were on direct debit to save mm-hmm. money. Um, we we rejigged our life so that we didn't need childcare anymore, which is a massive cost. I didn't need to commute to work into London anymore. So all these ways we cut down our outgoings to mean I could earn significantly less and and grow amazing literally from scratch, from the ground up. And that was the decision we made. So I I suppose COVID did kind of bring that to a head and make me make that decision. I think if we hadn't have had COVID, maybe that I would have carried on that dual life of trying to do everything for a lot longer So I think I'm pretty thankful for that, actually. Yeah, that's amazing on so many levels. I mean, the fact that you took the pandemic and you made it, you made it into something positive for not just you and your family, but for the world at large, because you've created this organization. And it's amazing. It's wonderful. Not amazing that I'm shocked, but amazing that it's wonderful that you and your husband as a partner could sit down and, you know, prioritize. It's amazing to that extent. 
that you were able to rejuggle everything, to just juggle and rearrange everything in your life to make it happen. So let's talk about stemazing. When you, you said when you started, it was almost a side hustle or it was a, a side hustle. Let's talk about what it has become, what your mission is, and what you're striving for with Stamazing. Yeah, so Stamazing in a nutshell is a not-for-profit social enterprise all about inspiring young people with diverse role models. And we focus on gender diversity mainly. So we have all women in STEM role models who deliver lots of our really fun Stamazing Kids activities to primary schools in socially deprived areas mainly in the UK but also around the world as well in different countries and again inspired by COVID we started off doing everything online which really opened my eyes to how we could grow our reach and impact by training women to be more confident with being role models and confident with public engagement and sort of leveling up their um, ownership of that title of being a role model and and therefore feeling part of that mission to get out there and do more with that responsibility. Um, so I could train them online and also then they could deliver their amazing kid sessions online to reach schools in hard to reach areas. So in the UK, for example, we've delivered sessions in remote parts of Wales in the middle of the countryside, which is really hard to get to, even in and the outer sort of um, islands in Scotland and the, you know, where it's really hard to get to because you've got to get a ferry or a flight there. And there might only be 12 children in the school on the whole island, but by zooming in these role models, then you can still reach those children. And the same with having sessions that we've delivered in Kenya, Ghana, other countries in Africa, countries around Europe, um, even in the United States, we've managed to have, role models from their own country plus the UK zooming into those schools to give them those opportunities so the whole purpose of STEMazing is that we inspire a more diverse and inclusive STEM future by having STEM role models who are diverse giving them that opportunity so they can see what they can be and uh, to date now um, we run a few different programs so we have our STEMazing Inspiration Academy which is an online program for women in any area of STEM to apply to come onto. We down select them and we have guaranteed places on there for our partners who partner with us to support our work um, for, for women in their networks. But we also hold a number of free places for any women to apply to take. Um, and so far we have had over 350 women go through that program and collectively those women have now delivered well over a hundred thousand amazing kids experiments to around like seven to nine year olds that's our sweet spot and like I said we prioritize place uh, pl school places for children who um, are in families that need support for free school meals so that tends to in the UK that means it's more sort of deprived areas that have underrepresented children in STEM careers and, and those children are less likely to see STEM as an option for them. So we prioritize those schools that we deliver to. So yeah, we're we're super proud of the impact that we're having and, and have had in a relatively short time because yeah. it's only been three years since we've been running the Inspiration Academy. And what I love is that this is not 
about me or what I can do anymore. It's like a community of women Mm -hmm. that take part in our training and then just absolutely run with it. Because Mm -hmm. like I said before, they realize the benefits for them as well as the benefits they're having in their community and, and on the future. Because there are two basic sections of the organization. Am I getting this right? There's STEM women, or I think you you might have spelled that out at some point, something I read, but STEM women and STEM kids. Is that right? Yeah, we have Stemazing women and Stemazing women. Kids. Yeah. Stemazing yeah, yeah. women. So the Stemazing women are the role models. And right. they come to you through partnerships and uh, they might just come from the general public because they want to be involved, but they're involved yeah. in STEM fields somehow. And then this, the STEMazing kids are the ones who are taught or exactly. inspired by the role models, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, that's perfect. You, you've hit it absolutely on the nail on the head there. That's exactly right. And with I started off STEMazing when I very first started it. I was dealing with those two strands quite differently. So I was mentoring some STEMazing women and mm-hmm. still doing a lot of voluntary free mentoring. And some companies paid me to mentor their women. So that was my STEMazing women stuff I did. And then Stemazing Kids was where I'd set up my own after-school STEM club in local schools. And then in COVID, I started doing an online STEM club and lots more families joined from all around the place. So they were diff- they were separate. And then it was only when I had that brainwave of the Inspiration Academy to bring the two together and train other women to deliver the Stemazing Kids sessions that it really just kind of took on a life of its own after that. And that, that really is where I see the future of Stemazing. It's growing that emphasis on me empowering other women to be the role models and then them going and delivering so many Stemazing kids sessions and them then inspiring other women around them to around them to take part. And mm-hmm. you know, we make all our Stemazing kids experiments that the women's learn women learn to to continue to be free for them to use and go on and do more and more. So that's how we collectively grow our impact is just by working together to reach as many children as we can. And it's exponential because then the children get older and then they become role models for others. And I think it just continue forever. And what a wonderful model that you have. Now, when you say that you strive to be a visible role model, and that's also what you're teaching. I think you're the role models who are, are working with you. What does that mean, visible? Because a lot of us, you know, a lot of people are, especially I think women in some of the STEM fields can be more introverted or maybe they don't want the spotlight. So what do you mean when you say a visible role model? Does that mean they have to be out? uh, Do they have to be on on TV shows and giving keynotes? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if they want to level up to that. But no, I think the visible thing is very intentional. I've put that word in intentionally because you can't be what you can't see. So we Mm -hmm. need the women in STEM that we do have, which is not that many, it's not enough of us. So the ones that we do have, we need to be more visible in whatever way works for us. So that could be just being more visible in your work and speaking up more in meetings. It could be putting yourself forward for that presentation that you're a bit scared of. It could be saying yes to being asked to being on a panel. But absolutely, if you can be more visible in your communities and in your schools, then you'll be making more impact than you could possibly realize. Because just like that one throwaway comment a teacher made to me when I was at school changed my life. 
mm-hmm. something you say to a child can change their lives and if you can show them that this is what an engineer looks like or this is what a scientist or technologist or mathematician looks like then that could absolutely change their perception of the world and who knows what they will then go on to do when they grow up so I think the visible bit is really important because if we just operate in our own little bubble and don't ever stretch ourselves to be outside of our comfort zone in a way that allows us to have more impact, then we're only going to be playing small. And that doesn't help us as individuals. And it certainly doesn't help others around us. And I think I describe myself as a recovering wallflower. So I used to be extremely (laughs) shy, extremely timid. I did not want the spotlight. I would rather have like just died and the ground swallowed me up than have anybody (laughs) pay any attention to me. Um, But I learned over time and really I think through my time at university I learned the importance of being the person that I wanted to be and working out like what is actually serving me and what is not serving me and playing small and being really shy and timid and hiding away is not serving me and although I identified as that person I didn't have to I was choosing to identify as that person and I still just I'm still an introvert I still like cuddling up on the sofa in front of the fire in our cottage here and just like having a nice quiet time reading a book or watching a film I love that but I am also capable of standing up and giving a keynote to hundreds of people I'm capable of going on camera on tv and that's because I've taught myself the skills and confidence is a skill you can learn it and then it really helps you in so many areas of your life. So if you can recognize that what is serving you and what's not serving you now, being more visible as a woman in STEM will serve you and it will also serve lots of other people. So it's definitely worth it. And that's why we intentionally put that word in because it's not just about being a better version of you. It's about being a better version of you that is visible to others and therefore inspires and empowers others. Yes, what a really important statement to think about that sometimes it isn't just about us, even though it does benefit us. It's not just about us. Maybe the the cause, the wider cause is more important and we just need to find it within ourselves to make ourselves more visible, not for ourselves necessarily, but for others as well. Yeah, and to be honest, that's, that is such a fundamental thing you said there that it's the foundation of our Inspiration Academy program, the first month of the training for women is all about tools and techniques, really simple things, simple strategies they can use to help themselves step out of their comfort zone and Mm. therefore be more open to being visible and leveling up as a visible role model. So we do that first as the foundation before they go on and learn some amazing kids activities to deliver and then actually deliver them because we can't just ask women to be more visible without giving them the support and and kind of tools to help them get there in a way that is actually empowering to them as well because we don't just want lots of people faking it and feeling mm-hmm. like an imposter along the way we want them to build authentic inner confidence and knowing their value as a role model do you talk about those tips in your chapter good question I probably touch on them and touch on my own journey and how I developed my own skills and confidence 
Um, but if anybody wants more information, then they can go to our website and sign up to our programs because, you know, internationally we can have more women and you can get all of that for free. Let's talk a little bit about what the process was like for you writing your chapter. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I wrote a chapter as well, which is how I became partnered with the, the book through Juno Jones, my company, Juno Jones, and our Hazard Girls podcast here. So for me, the process was a bit unexpected. I learned things about myself. So I would love to hear from you what it was like to write that chapter about your life. Yeah, it's such an eye-opening experience isn't it and if I'm honest I really put it off for ages and I just kept thinking like I really I know I want to do this but it just never seems like the right time to actually give yourself the headspace to do it yeah. and I had some notes on my phone that I kept making about what I want to say and then we were away on a holiday in Portugal and we stayed at this really lovely eco lodge and I was sitting on a sun lounger it wasn't even sunny I had a jumper on <laughs> it was actually really cold but I was sitting <laughs> on a sun lounger outside looking over this kind of forest view and I just got the laptop out and I just started typing and I typed all day and that and it all just came out in one go and it was completely a different slant on my story than I was planning to talk about mm -hmm. because originally I wasn't even thinking about mentioning my sister and how that has affected my journey and things that's always been something quite private to me and I don't really talk about my family or my you know my sister my mum and dad I don't really talk about that normally um but it just felt like it was the right way to start and connecting into the real me to make it a bit more personal so yeah I actually really enjoyed it once I got into it and it's amazing when you get into flow what so how creative you can be and and so yeah I really enjoyed it and I think it was like a maybe a couple of minor edits after that one but basically it's as it just flowed out of my head almost in real time my, my fingers couldn't keep up with my brain <laughs> typing. I completely relate to that what you're saying right now I had a similar experience <laughs> so did you learn anything new about yourself when you wrote it it really helped me get that perspective and kind of connect all the dots mm -hmm. throughout my life because it ends with where I am at now is amazing, but it started with when I was about three years old and my sister was 18 months old in that car accident. And then how that affected both of our lives and how it's ended up having a really strong impact on my life but I don't think I'd really realized that that appreciation that I've had throughout my life of the privilege that I have of being an able-bodied, healthy person compared to the challenges my sister's had, continuous challenges and still has, based on that one fluke sort of, you know, crossroads event that happened in our life where we were both in the same car accident, but she was way more injured than I was, that completely changed our lives and made me realize how much privilege I've got and therefore I think that really has fundamentally wired my brain to see privilege and think I need to use this it's not it's not almost like it, it's almost like unfair that I have this privilege it therefore I have a responsibility to use it in a positive way and help others to help those who are less privileged 
and yeah so I think I kind of did discover that whilst writing it because it sort of connected all that for me which I hadn't quite had the time to really reflect on before yeah we're so busy with our day-to-day lives and our families and our work that we don't often take the time to really self-reflect so Mm-hmm. to sit down and write your story for a book like this is can be transformative. So I think our, our readers of the book and our listeners today will be able to relate to that a bit. Um, and before we go, I just want to make sure that our listeners can find you. We're going to tell them where to find the book, but I want to, where, where can they find you and where can they find Stemazing? So I normally hang out on social media on LinkedIn so they can find me. I'm there, Alexandra Knight. Um, if they search Alexandra Knight's Stemazing, they'll find me. So feel free to connect in with me on LinkedIn. Um, and then Stemazing is also on all the different social media channels, either as Stemazing or Stemazing One. And you can find us at www.stemazing.co.uk or stemazinglimited.com. Then both of those go basically to the same page and yeah, get involved in our free programs that we have there. Sounds incredible. And so as for the book, Empowering Women in STEM, Working Together to Inspire the Future, that's coming out soon. And it's going to be available in a few months. It's up for pre-order now. So we're going to be linking that uh, on all of our podcast episodes with authors. But keep your eye out for that. Get your pre-order set up so that you can be part of these all of these journeys that our guests are sharing with us. Professor Alexandra Knight, award-winning engineer, public speaker, and diversity advocate, and now contributing author to the book that we're speaking so much about, Empowering Women in STEM, Working Together to Inspire the Future. Thank you so much for all of the work that you do for children, for women in STEM, and just for inspiring our audience. We really appreciate appreciate you being with us on the Hazard Girls podcast today. Thank you so much, Emily. And thanks to all the other co-authors as well, because I can't wait to see this book actually finally released and have everybody's inspiring stories out there. Um, It's just been a privilege to be part of this whole process. And thank you so much for helping shout about it and raise the profile of it. It's so important what you're doing. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.